really glad to be here again with you today. If you're a guest here, uh, I'm not the pastor of this church. Joseph Vest is the pastor. He's on vacation, much-needed vacation, and they're traveling back today from Texas, so be praying for them as they travel. He'll be back here with you next week. So here's what this means if this is your first time here today. If, if I say stuff that offends you that you don't like, please come back because I will not be preaching next week. You need to, to be here. If I say stuff that you really like, Joseph is going to be just as good or better next week. So, so come back either way is what I'm saying to you if this is your first time here. Uh, really glad that you are here. We're going to be uh, looking at a couple of different passages of Scripture today. So if you've got a Bible with you or got your Bible in your phone, let me go ahead and tell you where we're going to go. First, we're going to be in 1 Peter, which is way back towards the back of the New Testament, uh, which is the second part of the Bible. So if you want to go all the way to the end and then start going uh, the other way, you can find 1 Peter. And then we're also going to be in Hebrews, which is a little bit before 1 Peter there in the New Testament. So those are the two places we're going to be today. I was um, thinking the other day, Sherry and I moved to Greer in 1994. So this September will be 23 years since we've lived here. Uh, lived here now longer than I've ever lived anywhere else. And I was thinking about when we first moved here, what our selections were to be able to eat in, if you just wanted to stay right here in Greer, you didn't want to go to Spartanburg or Greenville, you had about five options. One of them was Hot and Now. Uh, if you remember Hot and Now, where the Clock Express is now, it was neither Hot nor Now, uh, either one, but you could get about seven cheeseburgers for $4, so that was why a lot of people went there. And those were kind of the choices we had. And then over 23 years, it seems like every now and then, you know, you, you, the word starts spreading around town, and it's like a big deal. Did you hear? Did you hear? We're getting a Wendy's. Oh, man, I love Wendy's. We're getting a Wendy's, you know. And then, oh, we're getting, a, you know, getting this, getting that. When Chick-fil-A came to town, you would have thought Jesus himself was coming back to serve us chicken on biscuits. I mean, it was like the craziest thing, you know. It's like, man, we're getting a Chick-fil-A. That's the greatest thing ever. People could, could not believe it. And, uh, and then, you know, now it's like the next thing was like, we're getting a cookout. And it's like, oh, awesome milkshakes and terrible burgers. That's going to be great. And so, so all these things just start showing up, and we get so excited about each one, and we put so much emphasis on what we're going to eat and when we're going to eat it and how much we're going to pay. I, the other day I, uh, I Googled this, so who knows if it's correct or not, but according to Google, uh, the average American spends $1,200 a year on fast food. And when I first saw that, I thought, that's kind of steep. I don't think it's that much. But then I started thinking, well, if you add in Starbucks to that, $5 a pop, five days a week, you know, some folks get it every day on the way to work. Let's say you work 49 weeks out of the year. Let's say you get three weeks where you don't work. That's over $1,200 just on lattes right there. So I think whether that number is accurate or not, we put a lot of emphasis as a society on what we're going to eat, when we're going to eat, how much it's going to cost, and how good it is, and, and comparing all that kind of stuff. The interesting part about that is, is that we are not just physical beings as human beings. Um, the, the eating part comes natural because we feel like we need to do it. When, we're, when we haven't eaten in a while, we know we're ready to eat again. And also we know that we have to eat every day or bad stuff will happen to our bodies and, and we'll get weak and fall out and all that kind of stuff. And so, so, but we're not just physical beings, we're also spiritual beings. And just as we need to feed ourselves physically, we need to be getting fed spiritually as well. We need to feed ourselves spiritually, uh, and it's just as important 
as, as eating physical food. Uh, but we don't, we don't put as much emphasis on that. And so the Scripture has a lot to say about feeding ourselves spiritually and what that means and, and why we should do it and, and uh, how often we should do it. So, so that's what I want us to talk about today. I've got a, just a couple things. We're going to look, like I said, in First Peter and Hebrews and a couple of points on this and, and, then, uh, and then we'll close up and, and talk a little bit practical about how we can do this. So the first thing we need to understand when it comes to feeding ourselves spiritually is that we need a balanced diet. We need a balanced diet. It's no different than eating physical food you, you know, as, if, as long as, I mean, when I grew up, they talked about the food groups and you needed to have a little bit of each food group every day. And, and so we talk about if you're going to eat a bunch of McDonald's cheeseburgers, you probably ought to put some greens in your diet at some point as well. And so we, we understand all that stuff from a physical standpoint. Well, the same thing is true with our, with our spiritual life. So, so look at First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now understand when uh, this is written by Peter, who was the, the Apostle Peter, uh, the, the guy who was pretty much Jesus' right-hand man when, when Jesus was here on earth. And you remember the, the famous story about how, how Peter denied Jesus uh, the night before Jesus was crucified. And, uh, and then Jesus, uh, after the resurrection, restores Peter and tells him that, that he wants Peter to lead the new movement of Christianity that's coming. He's, he's telling him, feed my sheep. You're, you're the guy that's going to carry the torch for this new movement that, that we're doing here. And so this is Peter, and he's writing this letter to people who are new followers of Jesus. So th these are folks that had, had been raised in Judaism just like Peter had. So they knew all the traditions about the sacrifices and the temple and the law and all those kinds of things. But now they are learning to what it means to really follow Jesus Christ and follow the teachings of this new way that Jesus had imparted to them. And, and so that's who Peter is writing this to. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So let me stop there just for a second. So the first thing Peter is doing here is he's drawing a distinction between the way they used to live and the way they're now going to live. And so what he's saying to them there is, listen, there used to be a way that was natural for you to live that involved being envious of, of your neighbor and involved talking bad about folks if they disagreed with you and slandering them. It, talk, you know, it involved being malicious towards folks when you didn't get your way and all that kind of stuff. And Peter is saying it's time to put that stuff away. That's the way of the old life. And I'm going to tell you a new life, the new way that we're going to live. And then he goes into verse 2. He says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so Peter is saying there that, that you need to long for the pure spiritual milk. There needs to be something that you're getting fed every day that's going to sustain you in this new life of Christianity that you're living. Now, here's something that I believe to be true, and, and I think the Scripture backs it up, is that our spirits are being fed every day whether we know it or not. That your spirit is being fed uh, just by the stuff around you. So it, imagine this. Imagine if you woke up every morning and, and as you walked out of your house, someone was waiting there and they just crammed a Big Mac into your mouth and just shoved it down there and you had to eat it. 
No, you didn't have any choice. You had to eat this Big Mac. It was going in. The next morning you go out, and there's a dude there. He's got two handfuls of Skittles, and he's just chunking them in your... Every time you open your mouth, he's throwing one down your throat. Boom, Skittle, Skittle, purple one, red one, yellow one, going down. You know, and, and then the next day you come out, and there's a guy there with a Doritos fajita chalupa from Taco Bell, and he's shoving that in there. And every day you're being forced to eat this stuff, and the stuff you're being forced to eat, none of it's good for you. It's all bad for you, but... It's being fed into you physically. See, I believe that spiritually, we are constantly having things fed into our minds and into our spirits that are not good for us. And, and the only way to avoid that would be to just go in your house and shut the doors and not interact with anyone, and we don't have that option. And in fact, Jesus doesn't want you to take that option. He wants us to be out in the world being salt and light being an influence on the people around you. But while we're doing that, while we're living, we've got this stuff that's coming in. I cannot tell you how many times that we'll be watching a, a, you know, something on TV or, or, or going to a movie, and you think, man, this is so good. It's just such a positive message. And next thing you know, there's something that zings in there that's the most ungodly, unbiblical thing ever. And it's like it just shot in there, and it's like, oh, that just went into my brain. That just went into my mind. And we're being fed this stuff that's bad for us. And understand this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't read books or go to the movies or stream something on Netflix or any of that kind of stuff. I'm saying that understanding that what you're doing when you do that is it's never a completely positive message. In fact, most of the time it's, it's anti what the Scripture teaches. And so if we're going to be taking that stuff in, and like I said, the only way to avoid that is to just seclude yourself, which we can't do. So if we're going to be having folks shove Big Macs and Skittles and Chalupas that are bad for us into our spirits every day, then we need to be sure that we're balancing that with the truth of the Bible, with the truth of God's Word. We need to be sure that, that for, for every time someone is, is giving us an, a, a message on, on a, a movie or something that's negative, that we know where we can look in the Scripture to understand this is what the Bible really says, this is what Jesus really wants for me to live. And so that's why Peter says there, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. We need to have a desire for that. And I'm not saying you can make yourself desire that, but what I'm saying is, is that you can pray every day and say, God, I pray that you would give me a desire for your word. I don't wake up every day and the first thing I think about is, man, I just cannot wait to read the Bible. I wish I did. I wish that's what I was like. A lot of times I wake up every day and it's like, I can't wait to turn on SportsCenter and see what NBA player is upset and where he wants to go next. That's the stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing in the mornings. But what I do is, is I pray and I ask God to give me the desire for the Word and I, I make sure that I'm disciplined to get in there every day and to read and to see what God has to say for me. And that's what, that's what Peter's saying, and we should long for that, that that should be the thing that we are moving towards because we need to be balanced against what the message, the world, and culture is telling us. God's Word is is the only truth that there is. In a, if you look in the Old Testament, you don't have to look this up, just look on the screen, it'll be up there. But if you go all the way back to, to Deuteronomy, and you're going to recognize the end of this verse, because Jesus quoted it one time. So there was a time when the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt, and then they left Egypt, God miraculously delivered them. We just sang a song called, that God does impossible things and God did something impossible by splitting an ocean and letting the children of Israel walk across on dry land and he rescued the Israelites and then while they were 
in this new place and they didn't have a way to, to farm and to provide for themselves, God literally rained down bread from heaven called manna and they would wake up in the morning and it was on the ground for them and it sustained them. And this is, this is God talking to the Israelites and reminding them of that. And he says this, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know, now listen to this, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now remember, Jesus said that same thing when he was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And Satan said, why don't you take these rocks and turn them into bread? And Jesus said, there's something more important than me eating bread right now. And because man does not live by bread, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's, that's what I'm talking about when I say that feeding our spiritual bodies our spiritual beings is just as important as making sure that we eat three meals a day or four meals a day and two snacks or however it is you do it. That we've got to be sure that our, our spiritual bodies are being fed. The second thing I want you to understand when we talk about being fed spiritually is that adults eat from a table and they don't drink from a bottle. Adults eat from a table, not from a bottle. Look over in Hebrews chapter 5. I told you we we're going to be in Hebrews as well. Now, I told you that when Peter wrote the, the letter, 1 Peter, that he was writing that to new believers. This book of Hebrews was being written to people who had been following Jesus for a while. All right, So, so these are folks that they had some years under their belt. They, they, they should have been maturing in the faith by this point. And, and the first five chapters of Hebrews, the writer there is, is explaining some pretty difficult stuff to understand. And then you can go back and read it later uh, yourself, and when you don't understand it, remember, I'm not your pastor. You can talk to Joseph about it next week, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I'll be glad to talk to you about it if you want to. But, but he's comparing Jesus to this Old Testament priest who has a crazy name, Melchizedek, and he's talking about how Jesus is the better priest, and it's, it's some pretty hard stuff to understand. And then the writer of Hebrews says this, kind of at the end of this, Hebrews 5.11, he says, about this, talking about Melchizedek and Jesus, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Um, that's something you can use on your kids, parents. You know, it's like... This is hard for me to talk to you about because you're dull of hearing. That, that's a good thing to say to your, your preschool kid. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now let's stop there for just a second. So what he's saying to them is he said, listen, you've been a follower of Jesus a long time. And this is, stuff is hard to understand but by this time, you should be able to understand it because you should have matured. You should have been feeding yourself spiritually to the point. You should have been in God's word enough. You should have had other folks speaking truth into you enough that at this point you could understand difficult things, but you haven't. And so what he's telling them is he's saying, your growth spiritually has been stunted. You're 25 years old, but you look like a three-year-old. And so he's saying to them, you're drinking from a bottle when you should be eating at the big boy table. You should have moved from Thanksgiving from the little kid's table over to the side to the big table. That's where you should be. And, and, but they aren't because they have not uh, taken care of, of the, the basic 
principles of feeding themselves. There's in, in verse uh, 12 there, it says, for this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. My wife, uh, Sherry, teaches piano and has been teaching piano for, for a long time um, and uh, since before we moved here. And so for many, many years, I've come in the house in the afternoon and I hear piano lessons going on, right? And, uh, and I can even recognize the songs. I can usually tell by what they're playing, about where they are in their progress, because, you know, you, you know that, oh, yeah, they play that about their second year. And so, and I cannot tell you how many times I've heard her telling a student, they'll be, they'll be playing, and she'll say, okay, what note is that? And then they can't, they can't tell her, you know, and say, all right, uh, what note is this? They can't tell her. And she will say to them, all right, you need to go back, and you need to review, review your notes. And then nowadays, since we have the interwebs, she'll tell her things like, there's some note matching games. You can go to the, this website and play this game. It'll help you learn it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think in the old days, they used flashcards or something. So, but she's telling them, you, you've progressed to this point, but you, you don't know the basics. And so she's trying to keep them from just learning songs into learning how to really play the piano and says, in order to do that, you've got to go back to the basics. You've got to learn the notes. And that's what the writers of Hebrews are saying here. He's saying, you're not ready to talk about this deep theological stuff about Jesus and Melchizedek because you don't know the basic truths of the gospel. You don't understand what that is. Now, where do we get that? Where, do we, where can we understand that basic truth of the gospel? Well, we've got this book right here or on your phone, or however you can get it. We've got it right in here. And we live in a place where we can read it as much as we want, and we don't have to worry about going to jail or anything like that for it. But we've got to take the responsibility to make sure that we do that. And see, there will be natural growth that comes from that. He says, if you go on there in 13 and 14, he says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is as a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The way that we grow spiritually is by reading the word. There is no shortcut to it. Andy Stanley, uh, who is a, a pastor in Atlanta, I like what he says. He says, what, whether you're talking about reading God's word or getting in shape or losing weight or, or investing money, whatever it is, he says, small investments of time over a long period of time make a huge dif difference. And so small investments of time every day reading the word over years and years and years, suddenly you're able to understand and discern things about the gospel and about what it means to be a follower of Jesus that you couldn't understand before. Now what, it, what doesn't work is to try to sit down and I'm going to read all the New Testament this afternoon. Cliff, man, I loved what you had to say this morning. I went home and I tried to read from Genesis to Revelation in one day. You're, you won't make it past Genesis chapter 4, I guarantee you. If you do, you'll never get out of Leviticus, ever, right? You will just give it up. It's like, man, I don't know what this law means. I'm out of there, right? And so, but, but small investments of time every day over years, and then suddenly that one day you realize, wow, I understand. When I watched that on that movie and I saw that, I immediately knew that that's, that's anti what the Word of God says. I don't even know how I knew that. But it just, it just came to me because, because you had trained yourself. And so that's the, the last thing I want you to know is this. So we need a balanced diet. Adults eat from the table, not from a bottle. And then here's the last thing. You are responsible for what you eat. You are responsible for what you eat. Verses 13 and 14, let me read them again. 
He says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There's not a one of you in here that's an adult that would argue with me if I told you that it's your responsibility to find something physical, physical food to eat every day. There's not a one of you. In, in fact, if you told me, hey, man, I have lost so much weight because my wife has not cooked in three weeks. I've, I'm down 75 pounds. I would say to you, go to Burger King. What, what is your problem? You, right? You, but there's none of you that would come to me and say that. All of you in here would know that, that it's your responsibility to find something to eat. And if, and if you're sane and healthy and, 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 and don't have you know, some type of disability, you, you will do that. Right, and if, if if food doesn't show up at your house, you'll go out, you'll buy it, you'll you'll cook it yourself, you'll steal it, you'll do whatever it takes to eat. But somehow, we've gotten this idea, as followers of Jesus, that for us to be fed spiritually, it's someone else's responsibility. Uh, I don't want you to raise your hand. But how many of you, yeah, well, you can't, I don't care if you raise your hand or not. I'm not taking notes. I'm not going to send this to Joseph, or maybe I will. But uh, how many of you have ever heard someone say, or you've said yourself, don't raise your hand if you said it yourself. Uh, how many of you ever heard someone say, well, you know, we just had to, we just had to leave that church because we weren't being fed. Or I, I couldn't stay in that life group anymore because we weren't being fed or, or uh, that I really like it when this pastor preaches instead of this pastor because I get fed more when that pastor preaches. Um, It's not the pastor's job to feed you spiritually. It's your job that you're getting fed spiritually or not getting fed spiritually. And the way you do that is you read this and you read it every day. Everybody in here, if I ask you, How many days did you eat a meal last week? Your answer is going to be seven. And in fact, your answer is probably going to be that you ate at least three meals a day for seven days. And for a lot of us, it's more like five meals a day for seven days, if we're honest. Because that thing that you go and get at 1030 when you're watching live PD and you just go in there, you know, and just like make a quick peanut butter sandwich before they go back to see what's happening in Greenville County, that is a meal, right? And, and so we eat and, and we feed ourselves physically. But for some reason, sometimes we think, I don't have to feed myself spiritually because I'm going to show up on Sunday morning and Joseph's going to do that. Or I'm going to listen to a podcast and I'm going to let the guy that I listen to on a podcast, he's going to do that for me and he's going to feed me spiritually this week. If you ate one meal last week, you would be dying of starvation. And the same is true for our souls. If the only spiritual food you're getting is on Sunday, then your soul is starving to death. Your soul is starving to death. If that's the only spiritual food you're getting, your soul is starving to death. And that comes out in a lot of different ways. That comes out in attitudes that you have. That comes out in actions you take. It comes out in just the general way you look at the world. If, if you're thinking that you can just show up on Sunday, 
let the pastor feed you, and then you're good. Several, many years ago now, there was a, um, a lady at a church that we uh, used to serve at uh, over at Fairview, and uh, they, had a, uh, they had built a new house. Her and her, her husband and her had built a new house, and it was about six months after they built the house, and her Sunday school class was having a Christmas party, and she said she'd be glad to host the Christmas party. And so everybody shows up, and they're all bringing food and stuff, and somebody comes in with something that says, hey, I need to warm this up. Can I use your oven? And she said, yeah, sure, use the oven. And so the lady goes and opens the oven. They've been in the house for six months, and in the oven is the instruction book inside the plastic. They, had never, they haven't used the oven since they moved there because these people, and, and some of you knew them, these people, they went out to eat every night. They both worked and they ate out for lunch and then they come home and they go out to eat every night and they never cooked. And that's funny, you know, when it's like a house, but some people live their spiritual lives the same way. It's like, man, that stuff, I don't do that at home. I go to church on Sunday morning and I get that. But, but what we're supposed to do is that what Jesus wants for us is that every day we have that balanced diet. There's something going into us that's from his word. Now, let's talk just a minute about what that might look like for you. Because this is like one of those messages where I can stand up here and, I, and say, you should read your Bible, you should read your Bible. And then you walk out and you're like, I don't know how to read the Bible, Cliff. Um, so so here's, here's the thing. There are some of you in here today that you need to start from scratch because you just never have really read it. And, and I'm just glad you're going to start. I'm not upset at you that you haven't. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter to me if you've been following Jesus uh, for a long time and you've never read the Bible. Just start now. Let's don't worry about what you haven't done. Let's start today and, and not have any guilt about what you haven't done. And so what I would say to you is start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start there. Start with the first four books of the New Testament. The gospel means good news. That's why we, that, that's why we call it gospels because it tells the good news of the story of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you, if you're not in the regular habit of reading God's word, start there and just pick up a Bible, get a Bible app on your phone, and you can start with one chapter a day, two chapters a day, however much time you have. Start in Matthew, meet, read Matthew through John, and you're going to get the whole story of Jesus. And when you're done with that, read it again. If, if this is brand new to you and you're not reading God's Word every day, start with the Gospels. That would be the best advice that I could give you. Now, if you're already reading God's Word every day, then here would be my challenge to you. First of all, keep doing it. The second challenge is um, don't just read the same stuff over and over again, but like uh, Malachi, that's some good stuff in Malachi, even though it's got a weird name. Uh, Ezra, you should read that too, right? Uh, so I think sometimes those of us that, that read God's Word every day, we get the stuff that we really like, and it's like, man, I love the Psalms. I'm just going to read three Psalms today, and I'm going to be ready to go. And those are awesome, and there's 150 of them, so it takes you a while to get through them. But that doesn't mean you just only read that. So, so read, try to read everything. The other thing I would tell you is this. I, I like... Um, how many of you have the Bible app, like version on your phone or whatever, and they got Bible reading plans, and like you can go on there and get like a Bible reading plan from like somebody famous, you know, hey, here's a Bible reading plan that Justin Bieber came up with or something. I don't think he's ever done one, but, but you know, it has all these Bible reading plans on there, and, uh, and those are good, you know, those are fine, but don't just do Bible reading plans because a lot of times with a Bible reading plan is you read like five verses and then it's got ten lines of why those verses are important 
and, and, and what might be better for you is just to do away with the Bible reading plan and just read through a whole book of the Bible. And, and I'm not saying Bible reading plans are always bad, but if that's all you're doing, maybe say, hey, for this month, I'm going to put away the Bible reading plan, and I'm just going to read Proverbs for the month. Um, you know, that Proverbs is an easy one to read for the month. There's 31 chapters. You can read one chapter a day, and, and there's your month. Uh, so, so, so I would say that. The other thing I would say is this. Um, be sure that you're reading the Bible and not just reading about the Bible. Uh, sometimes us as followers of Jesus, we get real excited about the next book that comes out from the big mega church pastor. And it's like, man, I cannot wait for whoever, you know, for his new book to come out. It is so good. Yes, those things are good. God's word is better. So, so be sure that you're always reading God's word, and then you can supplement some of that with some other things from people who really do preach the gospel. Let's stay away from the prosperity guys. If you want to know who I'm talking about, uh, it's his initials are Joel Osteen and some other guys like that. So, again, like I said, if you don't like that I said that, I'm not going to be back here next week. So come back. <laughs> Joseph might not have a problem with that. Um, so, so be sure that you are reading not just about the Bible, but you're reading the Bible. So, so those would be the, some of the practical steps that I would tell you today. But the big thing I want you to understand is, as we go away from here, uh, as we leave together in just a minute, and that is that we've been given a great gift in the Word of God. We, we, have, a, we have a God that created the universe, created us, formed us into being exactly the way He wants us to be, and then he sacrificed so that we can have a relationship with him, sacrificed his son, and after all of that, then he gives us just pages and pages about who he is, about his nature, his character, his work, and we can freely access it whenever we want to. That is a great gift. And so I don't want us to overlook it. I don't want us to take it for granted. And so that's why I want to encourage you today to spend time in the Word of God. Um, spending time in the Word of God, uh, that doesn't save you. Only Jesus saves you. But spending time in the Word of God does transform who you are so you can understand more about the way Jesus wants you to live. And that will make a difference in your neighborhoods, in your schools, and in the places you work. Let's pray together. When we're done praying, our ushers are going to come and, and take up the offering. And uh, so, so feel free to give today. Uh, if, if you came prepared to do that, you can also give online. Uh, you can do that. And then uh, after I'm, while the ushers are taking the offering, Dwayne's going to come and, and close us out. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the gift that you've given us. Thank you for um, the fact that we live in a place where we can read the word without fear of uh, persecution. We pray for folks in other parts of the world that, that literally put their lives on the line every day so that they can have access to the word of God. I ask, Father, for myself and for everyone else here that we would have a greater desire for truth. We would have a greater desire for the books of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That we would spend time every day just seeking you.
And we know that you're going to be faithful to teach us who you are. And so we rest in that. I thank you for the opportunity for us to gather here today. And I pray that we would take the message we've heard and we would carry it to folks who need it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.